This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The president has promised or threatened, depending on how you look at it, to use the military to put down protests in American cities. Those protests, of course, are against abusive tactics used by police. So under what circumstances is that legal or constitutional? All of this comes as some members of Congress are asking the president to go much further and treat Americans like enemies on a battlefield. Cato's Gene Healy comments. In many American cities, there is a lot of uh, dissatisfaction with police. Uh, and uh, many cities have had suffered enormous property damage. Some people have been uh, killed by police. And um, the president has essentially said that if mayors and governors are not able to solve this problem, he will solve it for them using the U.S. military. So uh, walk us through the circumstances under which the president can do that. Sure. Well, ordinarily, he can't. Uh, We have something called the Posse Comitatus Act that you and I have talked about on uh, this podcast before. Uh, It's nearly 150 years old as federal statute that makes it a criminal offense to use the U.S. military, use U.S. military forces to, uh, quote unquote, execute the laws. Uh, The basic idea is you don't want to put soldiers in a you don't want to turn uh, the U.S. military inward. You don't want to put soldiers in a policing situation. That's something that we've, uh, you know, had a longstanding distrust for predates the, uh, you know, the Constitution, you know, we've always had a fear of standing armies being used at home. Uh, but the Posse Comitatus Act isn't a comprehensive ban. It says the statute itself says that uh, it, where Congress has expressly authorized the use of federal troops as a police force, that it doesn't implicate, the, you know, it's not a criminal offense. It doesn't implicate the, uh, the Posse Comitatus Act. And you have uh, a longstanding series, uh, another longstanding series of statutes that, which uh, uh, really go uh, back to, in some form, back to the Washington administration. Uh, these are the Insurrection Acts, and they're based on the constitutional power to, uh, for Congress to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. And... Uh, Ordinarily, what's what uh, you know in normal circumstances, you would have uh, under the Insurrection Acts a request from a state governor. We've had an uprising or domestic violence uh, to the extent that uh, the state's forces can't handle it. Um, that that's ordinarily what, what would happen, but uh, that's not always what happens. There are two provisions of the Insurrection Acts that allow the president to uh, send in. U.S. military forces uh, without, uh, you know, and even over the objection of state governors. Uh, is, uh, uh, under one, if the president believes that unlawful combinations and assemblages make it impractical to enforce federal law in the state, he can use uh, such of the armed forces as he thinks are necessary to enforce the laws. Under another, uh, the president can suppress insurrection or conspiracy if it hinders the execution of laws such that any part or class of the state's people are deprived of constitutional uh, rights. And uh, the 
each of these provisions uh, have been used in, you know, not in the recent past, but uh, uh, one of them was invoked by President Eisenhower in 1957 to enforce the integration of uh, Little Rock Central High in Arkansas. Uh, JFK used another provision several times, once in Alabama to uh, enforce desegregation orders. And the governors in in those occasions, uh, Orville Faubus and George Wallace, uh, didn't invite Ike or JFK to send federal troops to Little Rock or Birmingham. So it's not unprecedented to uh, use these provisions of the Insurrection Act that uh, don't depend upon a request from the state governor, uh, but it is exceedingly rare. And in recent decades, use of the Insurrection Act, well, it's been nearly 30 years since uh, the Insurrection Act was invoked and uh, U.S. troops were used to put down domestic violence on American soil in the first place. The last time was uh, in the uh, 1992 L.A. riots after the uh, acquittal of the officers who uh, beat up Rodney King. Uh, but that's that's the last time that uh, the U.S. military uh, active duty uh, federal troops have been used in a domestic peacekeeping situation on the soil of the United States. There are members of Congress, uh, I think most notably Tom Cotton, who are urging the president to actually go much further than that. Right. Uh, yeah, Tom Cotton, uh, sometimes uh, more rabid than the president himself, uh, the Arkansas senator, uh, he uh, the other day started tweeting about how uh, you know, let's see how tough these Antifa terrorists are when they're facing off with the 101st Airborne. Uh, you know, they should show them no quarter. Uh, the uh, similar statement from uh, the uh, current Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, uh, who in a conference call with the state governors uh, urged them to, quote, dominate the battle space. In other words, uh, our American city streets. Uh, this is not the kind of talk you want to, to hear in a uh, country that you know, rightly distrusts the use of standing armies a- at home or has had a long tradition of that. Um, you know, as little sympathy as I have uh, for anyone uh, in Antifa, uh, you know, turning the, the 101st Airborne uh, you know, loose on uh, American city streets is a very bad idea. Uh, it's something you, you want to be an absolute last resort. Uh, you don't want them to be first responders. Uh, you know, the kind of try, as somebody once put it, uh, the military is trained to vaporize, not mirandize. Uh, the, the type of training that makes uh, U.S. forces uh, effective war fighters is something that's hard to switch off, can be hard to switch off uh, in a domestic peacekeeping situation. Uh, the National Guard is uh, slightly different. They have gotten, um, they, they get, they tend to get more training in crowd control, in uh, non-lethal uses of force, uh, particularly after the, the Kent State shootings. Um, but uh, the 101st Airborne is not something that you uh, want to uh, use for, uh, you know, keeping the peace domestically. Uh, 
you know, and we've we've uh, we've crossed that line before, uh, and uh, there are you know we we've come to regret it. It was uh, a few years after the L.A. riots. Uh, we had uh, on the border we had a Marine Corps anti-drug patrol uh, that wasn't supposed to be actually enforcing as a support role. Uh, this is 1997, um, and uh, a couple of Marines shot and killed an 18-year-old American high school student who was herding goats near his family's farm in Redford, Texas. And later on, uh, an internal Pentagon investigation of that inc incident said that the, the soldiers weren't really trained for this kind of contact with civilians because the Marines' military training had uh, instilled, quote, an aggressive spirit while teaching basic combat skills. And that's, you know, that's exactly what you want if you're fighting a war. That's what you want in Marines. But it's not something you want to mix uh, with a law enforcement function. And that's one of the reasons we have the Posse Comitatus Act. It seems clear that a lot of this would be done over the objections of governors, of mayors, uh, perhaps even of chiefs of police uh, around uh, the country. Um, what might this actually look like? Well, I think it's going to be very difficult uh, for an objecting state governor to really throw a spanner in the works here. Like, uh, you know, it, you can rightfully argue that uh, the situation we're talking about here doesn't look like Little Rock in 1957. Uh, it doesn't look like uh, Birmingham, uh, you know, in the, in the Kennedy administration. Um, but uh, I, I think those arguments will only get you so far. Uh, the Insurrection Acts do recognize uh, that, the, that the president can, uh, on occasion, send in federal troops uh, to execute the laws when, when, even over the objection of a state governor. Uh, so I think uh, as a practical matter, uh, there's not much that can stop this from happening. Uh, you would like to see that, you know, if it does happen, it does, that uh, uh, the military takes, the military, you know, the U.S. military is very aware of uh, the dangers of mixing policing and uh, war fighting functions. Uh, so you would hope to see more of a reliance on uh, uh, military police units. Um, you would hope to see more of a support role. Uh, that's sometimes what, what has happened uh, in, in these incidents where there's just a show of force and not um, a direct hands-on engagement uh, with protesters and rioters and looters. Um, but it, it's definitely, it's something that, you know, should really be avoided uh, as anything but a last resort. If you think Donald Trump's uh, tweets have been fueling the fire uh, over the past week or so, uh, this is a, a real step up the escalation ladder. And we want to be very careful of anything with apologies to uh, uh Secretary of Defense Esper, we want to be very wary of anything that starts treating U.S. city streets as quote unquote battle space. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute and author of The Cult of the Presidency. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.